This is Two Guys in a River. I'm Steve Mathewson. And I'm Dave Getz. We're two lifelong friends who love fly fishing for trout. Our podcast is all about helping you catch more fish and deepening your love of the time you spend on the river. We are Two Guys in a River. For the love of fly fishing. Show me a successful fly fisher and I'll show you a fly fisher who knows how to make adjustments. Yes, making adjustments is the true art of fly fishing. It's the difference between a no-fish day and a five-fish day. It's the difference between frustration and the satisfaction that comes from solving a problem. Really, fly fishing is all about problem solving. Many times there's not a specific hatch going on. Even if there is, you arrive on the water expecting to fish one way and then it all breaks down. Perhaps it starts to snow or the wind picks up or maybe even a midge hatch breaks out and you've been fishing nymphs. It's all about making adjustments on the fly. The problem is that most new fly fishers are really not trained to do this. They're not trained to think in terms of making adjustments throughout the day. When most new fly fishers start out, it's really all about casting, and, and that really consumes your time, yeah, your does. thinking. And in, or maybe you want to start learning to tie flies, and it's getting out onto the river for the first time, and yet, the great fly fishers know how to make adjustments. It's really the art of making adjustments that helps you catch more fish. And isn't that the main reason we fish? Oh, yes, it is. It sure <laughs> is, Dave. And that's why we're going to talk today about the kind of adjustments you have to make during a day of fly fishing. We've identified seven situations you may face which require you to make adjustments during the day. Now, there probably are 15 or 30, but we're just going to talk about seven that we've had to deal with over the years. And the first one is when the weather changes and it's cold outside. What happens, Dave? So in the wintertime, things are different. And let's say normally, and Steve, you would be a good example of this, you like to move from run to run really quickly. Yep. You cast two or three times. I think I've called you the, the restless soul. <laughs> the ADD fly fisher. The ADD fisher, fly yeah. fisher, yeah. Sometimes you drive me nuts. It's like I barely make a couple casts and you're on to the next run. Oh, boo-hoo. Yeah, boo-hoo. <laughs> but in the wintertime, for example, you need to make adjustments. So, And one of those is moving less frequently. And that's because the fish in the, in, the, uh, in the wintertime, their metabolism seems to be lower. They are staying in deeper pools. They're not in the faster pools. And so if you find a good run or a good pool, you need to work that if you're doing nymphs, which is probably what you're fishing. Right. And so it's just different. So you have to make adjustments. So if you're going out there and fishing big attractor patterns, because that's all you know, you're going to have a really slow day. Yeah during a really slow time anyway. I mean, mm -hmm. winter just tends to be slow in general, right? Yeah. Is there anything else you might say? What would you fish on a, on a, on a winter day, Steve? Yeah, I think going smaller with your nymphs, making sure that you rotate some of the key nymphs that fish take in your particular body of water, your area. So, you know, it could be things like pheasant tails and gold-ribbed hare's ears, you know, pink squirrel nymphs, zebra midge, whatever. Uh, so I think that's part of it. Maybe maybe using finer tackle, if if you do get some dry fly action, you know five x six x leaders and tippet. Uh, so those are some things that you might do. But but you're right. It it does seem to be a a little bit slower uh, pace, and that's probably not bad because. Uh, Boy, it seems like we move slower when it's colder. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so what about when it's hot outside? Yeah, that that's a great point. 
you know, there again, you, you have to think in terms of uh, a lot of different kinds of adjustments. It may not simply be fly patterns or it might even be uh, fishing a different section of river. Remember that a couple years ago, Dave, we fished the, uh, the upper Madison and we, we ended up, because it was so warm that day, uh, fishing another section that we didn't anticipate. Yeah, that's right. Uh, I remember that. Because yep, yep. temps were rising. So, uh, yeah, wet weather is something that you have to pay attention to. And sometimes the, the the switch in weather can be a really good thing. You know, if it starts snowing, I mean, I, I'm so happy when it starts snowing because, uh, or, or even starting to drizzle a little bit, because sometimes that will just make a stream... Uh, come to life, but all of a sudden you might start getting some action on the surface, and uh, you, you just have to you have to switch. So, yeah, I guess that would be one uh, uh, one situation where you might need to make an adjustment. Well, what's another one? Well, the most obvious to me, and it's something that you and I that drives us crazy, is when the river is crowded. Oh yeah. Um, and we've had that situation where you go to the river and you realize, okay, there are three or four fly fishers in this mile stretch of river yep and maybe for some of you that doesn't seem like a lot but if you're like steve and me and who likes and we like to travel quickly and move from spot to spot that's just a grind and it is not going to be a good day so in that moment you have a couple choices to make you can either get in line or you can find another stream or you can walk farther or you know you can bully the guy out of the or the woman out of the stream no yeah, which we try not to do. Exactly. <laughs> Two is better than one, right? So we That's have a right. little more power. Hey, do you remember that story when we were in the Driftless a couple of years ago? We got up really early. We thought, hey, we're going to beat everybody to the stream, and we did. Yeah. And so we're uh-huh. putting on our waders, and then a guide comes with one of his clients, and he says something patently obvious. Hey, are you guys going to fish here? Like, mm-hmm. Yeah, we're just putting yeah. on our waders. No, we no, are going. We, to- we're just. Uh, we like to hike <laughs> in our waders. <laughs> and uh, so it was a good, you know, get there more early. I guess is yeah. the adjustment well, that you and make. Well, remember he went down below us. Yeah, though, that and guy that off his client. Yeah, so. exactly. Okay, this guy whatever. wasn't <laughs> exactly. He had the angle on us. Uh, so uh, yeah, I mean, there's times, Dave, where I, I've driven to three different spots, and I've shared this story before but uh you know i I found one of the best rainbow runs on the lower madison because it was my fourth option that day and i was ready to head home i was so frustrated every place i went there were cars and a lot of fly fishers but i i just kept at it and found a a place so that's yeah that don't don't give up when the river's crowded walk a little further go to a smaller stream whatever it takes that's a big one yeah that's really and and it really can often mean an additional fish or two as opposed to standing in line and fishing runs that have been you know recently you know fished yep absolutely well let's talk about some adjustments that you have to make with certain fly patterns so uh, Dave and I, we boy, we love hopper season. But what do you do, Dave, when they're not hitting your hopper? Aside from cashing it in and uh, you know going to get a good meal, exactly, <laughs> which, which we've we, been known to do before. Exactly. In fact, we like it when things aren't working out because yeah. we get to eat. So for me, like I just remember on the Yellowstone fishing that what we place we call hopper run, and and we it was a year in which they weren't hitting that well. And I added a dropper. I added a flying ant, actually a terrestrial that actually sat right beneath the film. 
And I can't tell you how many fish I caught on that thing. Oh, I can. Three. Yeah, no. exactly, exactly. <laughs> but who's counting? So, yeah. so, so adding a dropper. So yeah. if you're fishing a hopper and, you're not, and they're not hitting it or you're simply not able to, um, to, to, with your strike, able to hook them and set the hook, maybe it's adding a dropper. Yeah. Yep. Or going smaller or going larger or going right. to a different color grasshopper. Mm-hmm. I mean, yep. these are all the types of adjustments that sure. when you're fishing grasshoppers, you have to okay. make. Anything else? Uh, no, I think that probably covers it. But what about nymphing? And we do a lot of nymphing when, when we're, they're not hitting your nymph. I mean, aside from putting on a dry fly or from, from going to streamers, which is another adjustment. But if, if you're going to stick with nymphing and you don't seem to be catching anything on those nymphs, uh, what can you do? Well, the first thing always is, are you deep enough? Oh, and yeah. we've talked about that and the need to add more weight. And if you're in a larger river, you can tell how deep you are by whether... Uh, your nymph is traveling slower than the bubbles on the yeah, water. Your strike indicator. Your strike yeah, indicator. Right. Yeah, exactly. Yep. So, but I, I remember a couple times, Steve, when you said, you know, why don't you go deeper? I was actually in Hopper Run, and we weren't. I was fishing nymphs, not hoppers, yeah. and 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 we it, you I added a couple actually a one additional split shot and it changed the rest of the day for me I know and I I've kind of the well I don't know if you're the same way but I've, I've heard this a gazillion times and I I finally did it out of obligation like okay this is not going to change anything and boom it does it, yeah it, it it's really, amazing it really can work it really works it, well, anything else though on nymphs that you might do and, and you're right going deeper is always the first thing adding more weight and going smaller i think even when you're fishing in the winter we mentioned that earlier yeah. sometimes mm-hmm. those really tiny nymphs yep. are what they need you go from a size 18 to a size 20 size 20 to a size 22 you can't see them to save your life but Sometimes just going to a smaller nymph can really make a big difference. Right. Or in a lot of a lot of fly fishers may like a size 14, say a Copper John, just going down to an 18. Uh, that's a huge yeah. uh, that's yeah, a huge that's a, difference. Have you seen any time when you've gone to color like a red Copper Johns versus say just a typical zebra midge pattern or something like that? You you add a little color to that. Have you seen any difference? I don't know. I I think I have at times, but but I wonder. Um, I, I think size is uh, is a lot more of an issue than than color is. I I do think there's times though where if you're fishing familiar territory that you know they're they're always seeing the same kind of uh, copper john or the same kind of uh, uh, you know beadhead prince nymph. Just to throw something at them that looks just a little bit different uh, uh, can can help out. All right, so we've talked about hoppers, nymphs. Uh, how about dry flies, Dave? If they're not hitting a dry fly, but but you are like one of my sons who just he won't switch. If, if he, he's just dry fly or nothing, and if you want to stick with the dry fly, uh, what adjustments can you make? Well, I was fishing with your brother this summer up in Rocky Mountain National Park, and he was so committed to fishing dries. I don't know if your brother. I think it runs in our family. Yeah, you guys are the dry fly purists. <laughs> But he just kept switching flies. And so for starters, it's just changing yeah. a fly. Mm-hmm. Yep. And he found, I think it was some, what was it? I can't remember. Wasn't it a, 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 not the irresistible, but it was some sort of a. Forget the name of it, yeah. but he found it. And I swear he caught, 
about yeah. every tenth cast, he started. It was a big, ugly attractor. It was pattern, a big, ugly it? attractor yeah. pattern. So, and we say ugly fondly. You yes, know, and a that's real a good thing. Just eggs. a big, bushy, colorful fly that exactly. doesn't look like anything that nice, you're going to see. Nice, sits nice and river. high in the water. Yeah. yeah, and he started catching fish. I didn't have that exact, didn't have that exact fly, and I, I didn't catch as many as he did. But yeah. the adjustment I made was I added a dropper. So I was fishing yeah. a caddis, and I dropped an emerger. And I, and in fact, I, I started, in fact, I think I caught the first fish of the day by adding that emerger, but he eventually outfished me. Yeah. But so switching flies and then adding an emerger as a dropper, anything yep. else? No, I think knowing again, what the water that you're fishing, what kind of flies or what kind of insects tend to hatch at different times of year and and yeah, you, you want to stay with within those. I mean, if you've got a stream that's uh, great for blue wing olives, uh, yeah, you probably want to stick with blue wing olives. But sometimes switching to a pattern that may be more of a, say, a cripple pattern, and it looks like a fly in its later stage, you know, on the the, the water after it's spent, maybe it doesn't ride quite as high. Yeah, some sort of an adjustment. Uh, like that but I think overall you're right just trying different things and uh, waiting for something to work I remember we were fishing it may have been last spring all of a sudden these years all blur together but we were fishing Canfield Creek in the Minnesota Driftless and it's actually right where Canfield Creek flows into the south branch of the Root River in Forestville Mystery State Park yeah and we were fishing I think we were fishing caddis and I couldn't, I didn't have the right color caddis. I think I yeah. had a, a tan colored caddis. And I found out later they were really hitting the blacks, you know, the black yeah, bodies. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And and I simply didn't catch anything. I only started catching something when I actually put an emerger on. Yeah. Hmm. I, I remember that. So those are some things that you might do with fly patterns. Now l- let's get back to... Uh, uh, what maybe atmospheric conditions? Well, that sounds very technical, yeah, doesn't it? Yeah, does. It? Uh, you know, the best day for fly fishers is a cloudy day with a little bit of moisture. But what do you do when it's really sunny? Is it even worth fishing? Well, we had that experience this fall. Uh, we went out to Montana and we got out to the Gardner and to the Yellowstone, and it was 50, 55 yeah, degrees and bright sun. sun right. Yeah. So I think in those moments, you, you have to make adjustments. And yeah. one of the big adjustments that we made was we decided to fish streamers. Mm-hmm. And, well, one of the bi- biggest adjustments, we moved to a different, we moved from the Gardner to the yeah, Yellowstone, for right. starters. Yep. But we, we decided to fish streamers because, um, one, the structure of the river allowed it. There were some good runs that allowed us to kind of, what do you call those? I don't know. Some rivers just have these nice little pockets where you can do yeah. streamer fishing. Mm-hmm. And it's much easier to fish streamers. But there was some obstruction kind of along the, the banks, some structure. And so, you know, the, you had wood pile or downfall that was, uh, you know, right at the edge of the river, actually falling into the river. And that created a bigger pool. And, uh, yeah, just some places where you could tell the spring runoff had gouged a, a larger channel. And, and, and those, were, those were productive. You know, I would say this, too, when it's really sunny, that's a time if, if you're wanting to dry fly fish and it's in the summer that that's a great time for your uh, attractor patterns that's when I will put on a you know a red humpy or or a royal wolf or could be a hopper pattern I mean even a even an elk hair caddis even if there's no caddis hatch on 
uh, you know, that, that can work when it's, when it's sunny as well. Anything else on sunny weather, Dave, that you'd say? So I think you fish really early or you fish later yeah, in the evening, yeah, right, right. You know, right before uh, yeah. dusk. That's I mean, especially if heat's an issue, If right? heat's an issue, yeah. yes. That, right, exactly. That's right. Sunny and hot, right? Yeah. Or, or just hot. So last year, we fished Wiseau Creek. I don't think we even started fishing till about 7.30 no, or 8. And within an hour, hour and a half, we each had caught about 10 fish. Yeah, and it was really good. Really. And it was... I was actually very discouraged after the previous day that, yeah. or after the day that we mm-hmm. had had on Canfield, because oh, yeah. nothing was rising, couldn't catch anything yeah. on nymphs, streamers weren't fishing. It's not a great, it's not a great stream to fish streamers, and it, we waited until late in the evening, found the stream, and started fishing, you know, dries, and all of a sudden we had a terrific, terrific hour, hour and a half. Yeah, well, one more, and I think this is this is where our expertise will really shine. So Dave, when absolutely nothing works, you've you've tried uh, you've switched from dry flies to, to streamers, and you've used every color and size in your box. You've used weight. You've uh, you've done everything. What do you do then? You go out to eat. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. You pack it in. You cash it in. Go home. Go eat. Go take a nap. Remember, we did that one. Well, it was last summer, wasn't it? When we were in the Driftless, we had uh, we we always stay somewhere in a in a, in a motel in one of those small towns, and you can get a nice room, pretty cheap, and nothing was happening. So we went back and we what well, we just took a nap. Took a nap. Watched yeah. YouTube videos and. Uh, um, Waited till about seven o'clock, that's, and then we yeah, went back that, out. That's right? when we went out on, on yeah. Weasel Creek yeah, and yeah. did really well. Yeah, so, that's exactly uh, right. Yeah, I also good. remember once a couple years before that, in which we actually just stayed on the stream and just kind of basically sat by the yeah, river for a couple right. hours and just kind of, I don't know if we took a snoozer, we talked a lot and yeah. just mm-hmm. said, hey, because it just was not worth yeah. fishing. It was it's, so hot, and the, the way the stream, um, was in the valley there's just the sun was just yeah. full on mm-hmm. every run and so we just basically said hey, hey let's, uh, let's stop fishing yeah right we we can't control the fishing but we can control where we go to eat we, exactly we can still get a good meal out of it and we can't control how much we eat oh, that's true too <laughs> <laughs> well i do think adjustments is really important i yeah. think one of the reasons that i really believe in this topic is when you fish with a guide or you fish with a veteran and one of the things you the one reason that they're so good is that they've seen so so much oh, that's so true right I, I think i've learned that more than anything else because i tend to i just want to stick with one thing i want to fish i don't want to be bothered you know taking a fly off putting another one on but you know what when you fish with guides when you fish with the the fly fishers that are really good they are constantly changing what they do. So how quick should you change something? Oh, I don't know. Um, I guess it depends, right? Yeah, it would. And I, I probably tend to be a little on the, the slower side. That That is a nice thing if you're fishing with a friend. And I think that's why we complement each other well, because you'll you'll make your adjustments more quickly. And, and there's been times where I realize, okay, I'm lagging behind. But then there's other times where I think you've seen, hey, wait a minute, what we what we started fishing with, it, yeah, it's absolutely. worked. It, it just took time for the water temp maybe to warm up. Remember, remember that day on 16 Mile when 
I, I was just stubborn and stuck with hoppers, and and they finally started working because the water warmed up. And That's right. I actually went to NIMS. Yeah, you were switching up, which is I, what good fly fishers do, but, but I was just stubborn. But thankfully, you, you started catching them at around like 10 o'clock. Yeah. I didn't actually switch until almost 11, so yeah. you were catching fish for an hour before I was. So, That's right. Uh, yeah. But also last summer, you talked about two people fishing together. What's nice is you were fishing streamers on the in, on the Yellowstone and I was fishing nymphs. And we just decided that's how we're going to do the day. Yeah. And I yep. did switch back to streamers, yep. but I actually started catching fish on nymphs, but yep. you continued to catch fish on streamers. So in that instance, you know, we that's didn't right. need to make adjustments. That's right. So. so the lesson is don't, don't do the same old, same olds, you know, switch it up, uh, make adjustments, try some different things. And if, if you don't find something that works, Head for that great supper club or that great steakhouse <laughs> or the pizza place and uh, and call it a day. Call it a day. Well, it's time for great stuff from our listeners. Uh, our podcast on living in fly fishing exile really seemed to hit a nerve and it generated a lot of discussion. Uh, this is what Jim wrote about the importance of balance. He said, being a 50-something, I no longer have the time or the energy to be as competitive with my fly fishing as I used to. But I've discovered the difference between quality versus quantity. No, I don't fish every waking moment, driving like a madman or driving by Braille when I nod off and my tires <laughs> hit the end bumps on the freeway. Yikes. He's, I've never yeah. heard that before. No, that's great. that's right. He said, instead, I fish when I can enjoy it and fish to find peace of mind and soul. It's that. Yeah. Right? Yeah, it really is. All right, that will do it for today. What other situations require you to make adjustments during a day of fly fishing? Please go to twoguysintheriver.com and comment on this podcast link. Tell us about the kind of adjustments you've had to make because of the conditions you've faced on the water. You can find Two Guys in a River pretty much everywhere on all the social platforms. As you know, we publish one new episode every week. And we continue to receive referrals from you. I can tell that because our subscribers continue to grow. Yeah, and for we that, appreciate that. Yeah, we're very, very grateful. That's the best way to promote the podcast is just tell a buddy, tell a friend, tell uh, your spouse. Uh, and that's how we grow. So thank you very much. We'd also love you to pick up our book, The Fly Fisher's Book of Lists. Life is short. Catch more fish. And we'd also like to thank everyone who has purchased the book already. We're just very grateful. Thank you very much. Yeah, thanks for doing that. And thanks again for listening. I'm Steve Mathewson. And I'm Dave Getz. Until next time, we are Two Guys in a River. For the love of fly fishing adjustments.